Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lott. Turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to get started here in Philippians. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start reading there. Uh, we're talking about gratitude today. Uh, last week, I, uh, I started on uh, gratitude. Was it last week? I don't I don't lost my track of my weeks. Is it a week before? <laughs> I don't even remember. Last week. Okay, praise God. Thank you. Help help a brother out. And so we started on gratitude, and um, I, I'm not going to recapitulate on any of those this morning because I want to move forward in what we're doing. The last song was actually prophetic because we're going to move forward. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to move forward. So go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is known, uh, this particular book, uh, the apostle that wrote the book, uh, we, we truly believe it was Apostle Paul. It is the book of joy. When you read this book, it, it's always talking about rejoice and be joyous. Uh, but also, uh, there's another word I want to throw in there is be grateful. Uh, because when you do have joy, you're usually grateful. Amen? And so this is why this, this, this uh, particular passage is, uh, I think, is so uh, efficient for what we're going to be talking about. So Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse 10. And let me just pause by saying thank you so much for all of you being here uh, this morning. I don't believe that you're here by happenstance. I believe you're here because God wanted you here by divine order. And I just pray that something that is going to be shared today is actually going to affect your life for the positive and that, that you will take this word and utilize it in your lives. Amen? So Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, I am content. Somebody say, I am content. Now listen, when the apostle says, I am content here, I don't believe he uses content to mean that he doesn't do anything else. That he's just going to sit back now, that I've arrived and I don't have to do anything. I know the Lord now. When apostle says, apostle Paul says, I am content, he means something totally different than what we would think. He says, I am content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then 13 wraps it all up. He said, I can do all things. Come on, somebody. I can do all. Listen, when I got a little, I can do all things. When I abound, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So Paul is teaching us here, it doesn't matter if you have a little or if you have much. You can do all things through Christ. I love what the Moffat Bible says about this particular verse. It, it reads like this. It says, I have learned to be independent of circumstances. Good gracious of life. I, man, glory to God. If we could just get delivered from that right there, right there, we could just pray and just head on to the house. Amen. That I have learned to just don't even consider circumstances because all of that stuff is going to change. He said, I have learned to be independent of circumstances, which might render what I know in my mind ineffective in my life. Man, what's, what's going on in your life did not come to stay. It came to pass. 
Come on, somebody. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you have or what you do not have right now. It doesn't matter about the people that you want in your life, you don't have in your life right now. Don't worry about all of that because you are independent of your circumstances, and God will bless you in spite of you. Yes. See, your destiny is not going to happen uh, because of you. It's going to happen in spite of you. Yes. See, God will bless you anyway. If you just stay humble and, and walk worthy of the calling of the Lord and you just continue to give and forgive people, don't walk in bitterness, man. God will bless you when you just walk and the doors just begin to open. You're man, I didn't even expect this. Or you get a letter that says, dismissed. Come on, somebody. God will bless you. God is an amazing God. Do you know, let me, let me just explain this to you right here. God does not need us. He does not need us, but I thank God he wants us. I, was, I had to, boy, when I just, it just put tears in my eyes. And I said, man, Lord, I know you don't need me. My crazy behind. But I'm just so grateful that you want me. I'm grateful that my wife wants me. Hello, somebody. Because this is a marriage we're talking about here. Ain't nothing worse in the world to be in a relationship and a person don't want you. And you're just trying, you're groping, and they just, please. That's the worst thing in the world. But, man, I'm glad I don't serve a faraway God. He, he said, listen, listen, let me, let me give you some word. Can I encourage you? He says, draw nigh unto me. No, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. He says, draw nigh unto me, and I will. No, okay, okay, you didn't get that yet. He says, based on your obedience, if you just do your part, because all of us have a part to play. He said, if you draw nigh to me. Okay, so let me go in the reverse since y'all didn't like that part. If you pull away from him, why should he pull towards you? When he says that if you draw nigh to me, it doesn't matter your condition. You may be tore up. But he says, but listen, if you reach out to me, he said, I'm going to reach back to you. Amen. Good gracious. Even in my condition, Lord, if I just draw nigh to you, even in my depression, if I just draw nigh to you, even in my fear, if I just draw nigh to you, even when I'm confused, if I just draw nigh to you. He said, John, you reach out to me, boy, I'm going to reach back. I said, boy, that's good news. I can preach that stuff right there. That's good news. Come on, somebody. Man, I got joy in my heart. I'm grateful for everything God has done in my life, man. Listen, I have worked too hard to get where I am today to go back now. Come on, haven't you fought hard to get where you are? Listen, the devil can't stop you. Let me just give newsflash. He has no authority over you. Stop blaming the devil. Take responsibility for your own choices. All right, let me finish reading this because y'all getting me all off task here. The rest of the Moffat version says this. I have learned that my, listen to this. I have learned that my resources in him are sufficient and that my poise is undisturbable. Oh, I like that word. I don't even know if that word is in the dictionary or not. That don't even sound right, but I, it, I wrote it. Undisturbable. I don't even know if that's a word or not, but that did sound pretty good, didn't it? Undisturbable. 
Y'all had to look that one up. Don't blame me for that. That's what the Bible, that Moffat version says that. So pastor be using words that ain't even in the dictionary. So gratefulness and joy. Listen to me very carefully because I just learned this myself. Gratefulness and joy are past, present, and future. It's past in your remembrance because our sins have truly passed and covered under the blood. It's present in participation because in Christ we have the joys of life. But in the future is anticipation because the joy set before him allowed Jesus to endure the cross and us. So you got remembrance, all of that stuff has passed away. But your joy in the present means, listen, I participate in the joy of the Lord because we know that it's the joy of the Lord where we get our strength. Come on, somebody. And so now in our future is anticipation because Jesus, because of what he anticipated, he endured the cross. So now we not only have joy to take care of our past, present, but also our future. Come on, somebody. Why? Because joy is from the inside out, not from the outside in. See, you can only get joy from God. Because God does not change. Joy never change. People change. See, when you start tapping into things outside of me, this is where you get your happiness from. Well, happiness will change because happiness is determined by what's happening. And things that's happening will always change. Therefore, your happiness will change. Joy doesn't change because God says, I change not. So it doesn't matter about the circumstances and the vicissitudes of life that you go through. Man, you can take joy. God's got me. I don't have to worry about it. He's got me. Don't worry about it. He's got me. He's got me. He got you look at that bill, you say, no, you got me. You got me. You got me. You look at that situation, you say, God, I know you got me. I know you got me. I'm going to just praise you. I'm going to worship you right now. God, I'm going to give you glory right now because there is none like you, God. You love me more than I love myself. Man, that's the kind of God we serve. That's the time I said that he's a good, good father. Come on, man. Every time I hear that song, I said, boy, you a, you a good, good father. Come on, somebody. When people complain about being a Christian, <laughs> buckle up, okay. When people complain about being a Christian, it's not because of what's happening without that person, but what reveals something wrong within that person. Because your Christianity is not lived outside, it's lived inside, right? And so when you say, well, it's just, it is so hard being a Christian. Let me, let me say something here. It's not hard, it's impossible. <laughs> let me say that again. It's not hard to be a Christian. It is absolutely impossible. You can't be a Christian on your own. The only way you can be a Christian is in him. He makes the impossible possible. With man, it is not possible. But with God, so it is impossible to be a Christian unless you're in him. So if you're trying to be a Christian just based on your church attendance, that's why you're not happy as a Christian. Oh, I read a chapter today, so? None of that matters. What matters is, are you in him? Do you worship him like he's your lover? Come on, somebody. Yeah. See, when you're intimate with somebody, let me go on here. The kids are gone. 
when you're intimate with someone, say, I'm intimate with my wife. Me and my wife got a relationship nobody in this church can ever even compare to because we're intimate with one another. Amen, somebody. Amen. 24 years of intimacy. It's like a good pair of boots, boy. When you break them in, you never want to get away from them. Come on. You ain't gonna, I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't want another pair because you got to break them in and your feet hurt and you get in a new relationship and things don't work out right and they leave and draws in the middle of the floor and they don't turn the, the toilet paper around right and they leave the seat up and you going in there and your butt gets wet and you just don't know. You're like, you, I got somebody new in my house and I have to go behind them every time they come. It is, this is hard. <sighs> I'm grateful for my wife. I don't, uh -uh, I don't want nothing else. We done broke each other in now. You know what I'm saying? It be too, it's, too, it's too arduous to try to break somebody else in. And I told my wife, I said, look, if, if, if something happens to you, I'm not married again. And she said the same thing. She said, look, I ain't doing this over. Because I gave that girl hell. So she said, <laughs> She said, hey, man, another brother, you, you, you enough. <laughs> Amen. But we're intimate because of the time that we spent together. We've been through some things together. We've been through some hardships together. Come on. When you've been through some hardships with some folks and they didn't leave you. Yeah. See, my wife and I met when I, I was broke. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I had nothing. I, I, I was broke. I didn't have nothing. She had a good job. I was in school. I had just got out of the Marine Corps. I was in school trying to get an education. But I had nothing when I met Elaine. Nothing. And that chick gave me a chance. She saw I had some potential. That's what she said. She said, boy, I thought you had some potential. <laughs> she ain't here, so I can preach it like I want to. <laughs> He's like, boy, you had some potential, you know. And I thought I had a little bit of potential. But you know what? Man, when I married her, I stepped up. Just stepped me up, man. I had to get things together because Caitlin came into the picture. So I'm like, man, now, I, man, I got to get my little self together. Amen. Amen. So now, based on my responsibility, it, it, it improved me as a man. Right? Because now it's not about self. It's about others. Amen. I'm telling you, you'll never really learn who you are until you start giving to other people. Mm, I know that probably went over. So uh, let, me, let me just say this. Why is this inward work so important? Turn to 2 Timothy. Let's turn right. Go to 2 Timothy. And I'm not going to be before you long because I got work to do. <laughs> Praise God. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to go ahead and start reading verses 1 to 7. It says, now listen, I believe truly we're living in these times right now. It says, but know this, that in the last days, somebody said, these are the last days. You do know that these are the last days, right? Perilous times is not coming, it's already here. So this is why I know perilous times are already here. Just look at this laundry list, look at this. For men will be lovers of themselves. Man, never have I ever seen so many selfish people. You just drive. Just drive around. Just drive. Just drive. I had somebody coming to church. They cut me off. And then they get mad at me. Wait a minute. How you mad at me and you cut me off? Selfish joker. You know what I said, right? I said, I'm going to be preaching about you at church today. <laughs> he probably thought I was shooting him the finger. 
They're going to be lovers of themselves. Listen, lovers of money. Never before have I seen so many preachers that all they talk about is money. Preachers talk about, so I got a, I got a jet, but I need a new jet. So let me see. So you have a 13-passenger jet now, but you want a new jet. So how, how many people are you trying to fly out? You're one person. One. But you need a new jet, and then you say, God said to you to get a new God said. Y'all listen to me close. God said for me to get a new jet when you got a jet. Y'all hearing this? God told me to get a new one. I already have one. He told me to get a new one. Millions of dollars when probably 65 to 70% of the people in your church live under the poverty level because I know where this church is down there in Louisiana because I'm from down there. I'm not going to say names, but y'all know the area. Y'all know, you've seen it. I know you've seen it. So, uh, you know, I'm, ta- I'm telling you the truth. So when I see stuff like that, it grieves my heart, right? Because people who have already been hurt in church, and they see that, they say, see? See, I told you, that's all, see, all he wants is a jet. All he wants is more money for a jet. Amen? Now, that's not right, saints of God. Now, listen, I'm not knocking you if you want money. I, I love money. I, I do, I do. I love money. I love having it. I don't like being broke. I've been broke. I said I've been. You been broke? Somebody said I've been broke before, Pastor. Listen, I've been broke. I don't want to be broke. I'm just, I'm just saying. And listen, Elaine and I, what we get, that house that we just built, we didn't build it because you gave me anything. We built that house because of what we earned. So can't nobody say, well, Pastor John taking the church, taking the church's money. Well, bro, you just go look at my taxes, and you'll see where my money comes from. Amen. Right, Miata? Miata tell you. She handles the books. The books are open. You can look at them. She'll tell you. Oh, no, no, no. It's what we earn. But we work hard. We work hard for what we have. I work hard for my money. And I'm willing to work harder because I want my family to be set. Listen, listen, men. What do men say? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you something, guys. If you don't have a life insurance policy, shame on you. Your family should not have to take care of your behind when you're gone. You need some life insurance. Don't, don't put that burden on your family. Listen, I'm, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. I ain't lying. Elena will be set. She could pay this house off. She could go write a check. He, my, he dead. <laughs> don't y'all tell her that. Don't y'all tell her. Amen. <laughs> Take care of your family. Amen. Hello. Am I talking to the right folks? Amen. Ladies, am I talking some good stuff? Yes, I knew I can get something. From, I knew I can get something from the ladies. The ladies said, yeah, bro. I don't want to be broke and you gone. Hello, somebody. Hello. No, I'm not talking that prosperity stuff. I'm just saying it's okay to have money, but you, but you don't want money to have you. Listen. You like to wear nice things, don't you? Yeah. Right? Listen, I shop at Goodwill now. I ain't ashamed to say that. 
shoot, I got a Brooks Brothers jacket from Goodwill. Amen? But listen, I still like nice things. And I don't mind if I have to to pay a little bit more money for something that's going to be good. Amen? Listen, the reason I can wear the kind of shoes I have on is because I can afford it. Amen? But I'm not trying to export that and throw that in everybody's face. Right? If you can afford something nice, go get your stuff. Don't worry about what people say. Why are you buying that? Why are you all up in my business? Cousin them and brother. Yeah, yeah. You could have done something else with that money. I made it. Are you going to tell me how to, what to do with my own money? Okay, I don't know why I got off. I'm sorry. See, I stopped preaching and I started fussing. So let me just stop fussing. I'm, I'm, let me just apologize. I started fussing. I'm tired. So let me go back and start preaching. Because I, Pastor Tim didn't even stop me, and I've just been fussing. So, <laughs> so look at this, guys. Listen, listen, you can write this one down. Listen, check this out. Oh, I didn't even stop. I got to finish reading this verse first. <laughs> I'm so glad y'all love me, ain't lying. Yo, your pastor be messing up, ain't lying. <laughs> Please stretch your hands this way and say, Lord, bless him. <laughs> My God, I'm glad y'all love me, ain't lying. All right. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient. I have never seen so many disobedient children in my life. Oh, my goodness, man. I, I, can, I was in the grocery store. Okay, I'm getting ready to fuss again. Is it all right? I'm sorry, y'all. I know y'all came to hear a word, but I'm fussing now. I was in the grocery store. It was one, like, right down the street. They all over the place. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, I won't say the name. You know the one that you always, when you sit in the car, before you get out the car, you had to say a little prayer, right? It goes something like this. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the King, my Savior, give me the patience of Job. So as I walk through this store, I won't lose my cool, right? Because you know you're going to lose your cool up in there, right, when you go, right? 20 registers. One person working. How you have 20 registers? Line just all around, just. Okay, all right, so listen. I'm on one aisle, and I hear this little fellow. He was not nice to his mother. He was saying some words that if I ever said those words to my mother, I will have less lips today than what you see. And teeth. And he was just belligerent. And she's trying to, listen, appease him. Well, if, if you just stop it, then I'll allow you to have something what he wanted. If you, but you're gonna, but you, need, you need to stop it. You need to, you need to quiet down. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm cringing. Because you know what I want to do? Y'all love me, right? Okay. What I want to do is just kind of move that stuff back and go, hey. <laughs> you want me to fix that? <laughs> I can, I can fix that. Like, it won't take me but two minutes. Two. Two minutes. You can, you can stand outside of the restroom, and I'm going to take him inside, 
and I'm going to pull my belt off. And when we come back, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. Now, he'll probably respect me more than he respect you, but he's going to be good. Amen? He'll get delivered, right? Sometimes, saints of God, you got to tell your kids who's boss. Because if you don't put boundaries around children, children will always go over those boundaries. That's the responsibility of a parent. Parents, you are responsible for placing boundaries around them. I can care less if my children didn't like my boundaries. They were my boundaries. And you don't go, if you go outside my boundaries, there are consequences. So I said all that to say this one quote. Listen, every choice is bound to the consequences of that choice. Let me say that one more time. Every choice is bound to the consequences of that choice. Miles Monroe, before he died, this was probably one of the, man, if you want to learn about the kingdom, just buy all of his books. I'm telling you, he was awesome. My, uh, oh, that's Moffitt, my bad. Miles Monroe says this, you cannot appropriate what you don't understand nor experience what you postpone. Yeah, I got a lot of mm and a hmm. You cannot appropriate what you don't understand nor experience what you postpone. You need to stop postponing your blessings. Stop postponing. Just be obedient to God. Amen? God has already told you what to do and what not to do. Just stay in your lane and be obedient to what God told you to do and what not to do. Amen, somebody. So I had a phone call from one of my precious daughters in Chicago. So she called me and she asked me this question. She said, it was a great question. She said, I've always heard the church say, what God has for you, it is for you. And so she began to tell me this story about a relationship and so forth. So then at the end, she says, well, if what he has for me is for me, why didn't that work out? Right? So there's a lot to the story that I'm not going to share on this, on this uh, podcast. But basically what I share with her is this. Just because God has something for you don't mean that you're going to get it. Because you can, po- so who said that? Because you can postpone it. I said you can postpone it. Case in point. The land filled with milk and honey was for the first generation, but the first generation never got it. Was it promised to them? Yes. yes. Did they get it? No. Just because you see a promise, that promise is not yours. The knowledge of a thing is not the possession of it. Just because you think you know something don't mean you got it. Am I talking to the right people here? Amen. So listen, don't postpone your blessing. God has already told you what to do and what not to do. Just stay in your lane, saints of God. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing or not doing. Just stay in your lane. Am I talking to the right folks? Amen. So, so let, me, let me move on with this thing. Don't let an ungrateful heart con you into blocking your blessing. Don't let an ungrateful heart con you into blocking your blessing. Frederick Nietzsche, he said this. He glamorized the phrase, God is dead. God is dead. Therefore, reasons for this moral decline in this nation and in our churches today can be summed up in these four words. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten God. Church now has become an organization to be glamorized for things rather than to go to God, who is the thing. See, there's two different crosses now. There's the rugged cross and there's the modern cross. See, the rugged cross says you come in here and die and you give. The modern cross says you come in here and live so you can get. See, that's what churches have become, a place so they can go get something. I'm going to get my blessing. Go get my deliverance. I'm going to go get my money. Church never was meant to be a place where you come get something. The church has always been a place where you come and give something. Am I talking to the right church? 
Now, I know this is not going to be popular, but I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to give you the truth. So every time you come to church, if you come up in here like you're going to get something, you're coming in here with the wrong heart and it's not grateful. You are ungrateful because you're not grateful for what you got. Lord, I'm going to keep teaching it, okay? How did we get in this moral decline? Listen to this. This is going to be a big goal. Y'all ready? Okay, take a deep breath. Okay, here we go. In the 1950s, kids lost their innocence. They were liberated from their parents with the whelping jobs and cars and lyrics and music, which gave rise to a new term called the generational gap. In the 1960s, kids lost their authority. It was the decade of protest. Church, state, and parents were all called into question and found wanting. Their authority was rejected, and yet nothing ever replaced it. In the 1970s, kids lost their love. It was the decade of meism dominated by hyphenated words like self-image, self-esteem, self-assertion. It made for the very lonely world. Kids learned everything there is to know about sex and forgot everything to know about true love. And few had the nerve to tell them that there was indeed a difference. In the 1980s, kids lost their hope. Stripped of innocence, authority, and love, and plagued by the horror of a nuclear nightmare, and large numbers in this generation have stopped believing in the future. In the 1990s, kids lost their power to reason. Lost in a world of cyper, cyper, cyberspace, they have personalized objects and totally subjectified reality. They are now imprisoned in a deep world with their own loneliness, and in the new millennium, Kids woke up and found out that somehow in the midst of all of this change, they had lost their imagination. Violence and perversion entertained them until none could talk of killing innocents since none was innocent anymore. It is a depraved and a decline of the morality of this nation. And if we don't get control of it, starting here in the church, it's going to plummet even deeper. So if we keep coming in here to play games and not really give the truth and the reality of the word of God, then the church is going to continue to be weak. Self-indulgence has replaced selflessness. So it's all about me and me-isms. It's the church of me and mine. Hello, somebody. This church don't belong to me. I never own this church. This, this church belongs to God, so I can never take ownership of it. He called us to be a good steward of it. Of it. And so what God wants us to do to, today, saints of God, is sometimes we have to change our perspective about what we have. And sometimes, saints of God, we lose the fact of what we got because we're so focused on something that we want to get. That's having an ungrateful heart because there's, you always want more. You always want more. You want more. You want more. I don't have enough. I got to get some, I, gotta, I need some more, right? That ain't enough. So God bless you with it. Then you go, well, no, I want more. Amen. So listen, the older I get, I'm, I'm reducing stuff. That's why we build a smaller house. We don't need that big old house. We build something smaller. Man, I've gotten rid of so many suits and shirts and ties. I don't need all that stuff. Not anymore. Because now, man, it's all about what can I do for somebody else? And I have gotten the greatest fulfillment out of trying to bless somebody else than trying to get a blessing for myself. This is what God wants for the church. This is what God wants from pastors. Yes, I want to see you prosper, saints of God. Don't get me wrong. I want want to know you pulling up in that parking lot is something that you like and not something that's the only thing you can afford. Hello. 
I want that for you. I want you to live in a nice house. You best believe when you come to my house, that baby's going to be decked out. You best believe it. Why? Because I take care of everything God gives me. Everything. I don't care what. It, it can be shoes. It can be a suit. It, no matter what God gives me, I'm going to take good care of it. It's going to look brand new after 10 years. Why? Because if God gave it to you, he gave it to you to keep it. That's why when God gave us this building, you should have seen this building when we came up in here. Right, Tim? When me and Tim walked up in this place, Tim and I was like, good gracious, this place is jacked up. I'm sorry. Messed up. And went ghetto. Sorry. Right? We walked up in here, and we were walking with the pastor that was in here, and we kind of went by ourselves, and we was like, I see why this church declined. Place with bugs everywhere, spiders, nasty. I mean, my God, man, God gave you this place. Take care of it. It took us, it took us a whole team and 28 to 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours to clean this whole place. Right? Y'all remember that? I had three teams. I had a moving team. I had a cleaning team. And then I had a decorating team. Oh, boy, I had those folks lying out, man. And one of about five of us, right? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So <laughs> we had more than five. But everybody knew what they needed to do. But we couldn't even move in this place because it was so dirty. But when you come in here, I want the bathrooms nice. I want the place smelling good. If you go look at those kitchen floors, you know those babies are, no, man, you know those kitchen floors are clean. Amen? I'm not going to come up in this place, and just because we're leasing it, that I'm, I'm going to, listen, this just, it don't mean anything because it's so small. Right. The Bible says this. If you're faithful over a few things, I'll make your rule over many. If you're not faithful with the $2, don't keep asking for the $20,000. Am I talking to the right church today? Just want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Just be grateful for what you got. That's what this is all about, saints of God. And I'm not saying just be content with what you got, but you can continue to move forward. You can produce things. You can start a business. You can open up another bucket. Get another bucket so God can funnel some money to you because God is just not going to drop money from heaven. I don't care how hard you pray. You can speak in tongues for 24 hours, and you can spin around this altar and turn into a watermelon. It doesn't matter. When you come out of all of that spiritual nonsense, you're still going to be just as broken busted. God does not funnel money from heaven. You got to have a vehicle. You got to have something that God can put that money through. You got to have a business you got to have a plan you got to produce something and when you produce it God said I'll bless you now because you put the work in we got to get rid of this entitlement mentality that somebody I owe you nothing everything I got I work for it I get mad at these folks talking about y'all I don't owe you nothing I don't even know you I owe you nothing and you still take half of my money I'm sorry, I was fussing again. Let me get back. <laughs> Somebody say proper perspective. <laughs> Speaking of changing one's perspective, one young lady wrote home from college. She said, dear mom. Somebody say, dear mom. Dear mom. She said, dear mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it in my leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had a fire. We were lucky, though. A young man at the, service, at the service station down the street, he saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in a couple of minutes, and I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. I must admit that I'm pregnant. 
Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get a chance. Love, your daughter Susie. <coughs> P.S. None of the above is true. But I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. And I just wanted you to receive this news in the proper perspective. <laughs> Somebody say proper perspective. See, after all that, you don't even care about the C. You from chemistry? So what, girl? Come on home, girl. Let me love on you. <laughs> Somebody said proper perspective. See, sometimes we got to get the proper perspective in church. We got to see things not from our eyes, but from his vantage point. Amen. We have to see people. Listen to me very carefully when I say this. We have to see people through the cross. Because when you see people through the cross, you get to peer through the hearts of people like Jesus would. And when you do that, you have an attitude that there's value in that person, there's worth in that person. It doesn't matter the color. It doesn't matter what part of the, the country or the world they came from. It doesn't matter if they're tall or short. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. That when you see everybody through the cross, you see value. Let me tell you why. Jesus died for the whole world. Amen. Why? Because he saw value in us. Even when I didn't have, I didn't have any value worth saving. He said, no, I'm going to save you anyway. He said, because I see value in you, John. Is that, is that all right? Yeah. Now, that's the message of hope right there, guys. Yeah. That's the message we got to give this world, yeah. not just pointing fingers and judging folks. we got to show people love yeah. and, and appreciation and respect. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That, that's got to start right here. Somebody said he's talking about me. That, that, that starts at home with your family, your sons, your daughters, your cousin them, booking them. Y'all know, booking them. Left eye, dead eye, bright eye. Everybody got all them names in your, y'all, why y'all looking at me like that? Y'all act like y'all not country, you country. Now, I came from the city. The city is just as country as any country. You just go to another, you go to Texas and find out how country they are. In downtown Dallas, Texas. Over here, my hair. Well, yeah, my hair. My hair, over there. <laughs> Come here. Yeah, that's what people say. Come here. Come here. Amen. So listen, <laughs> so you got to have respect for folks. I'm still fussing. I'm sorry. But you got to have respect for people when you peer through the cross because that's what Jesus does. Amen. All right. So let me give you these five things. And let's go home. So I got five attitudes of ungratefulness. You do not want to be in this list. Let me just let me just set it out there for you. Right. Here's the first one. A prideful attitude. Okay, that's the number one, a prideful attitude. So, uh, Proverbs 16, 18 says pride comes before destruction. So in other words, pride will only lead you down one path, destruction. James 4 and 6 says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We were just talking about grace. You need grace, but you can't get grace unless you're humble. Amen? He resists. That's, that's a strong word, saints of God. When the Bible used the word resist, that means that he completely turns away from you. 
when you have pride in your life, there's three things the enemy is always going to use because those are the same three things that he used in the book of Genesis. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin is in those three, what we see, how we feel, and what we want. It's all about my feelings because when you get all up in your feelings, oh, the Holy Ghost is gone. No, he's gone. He ain't going to help you. You in your little feelings now. When you get hurt and mad and big, what you so mad about? The Holy Ghost said, no, I don't have nothing to do with that. Amen. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What get men the most is lust of the flesh. What get women the most, lust of the flesh. So y'all thought I was going to change it. No. Because all of us want flesh. I said all of us want flesh. I said all of us. Y'all looking at me like you ain't that holy. There ain't none of us arrived yet. Come on, somebody. I was talking to Richard because we had a long drive yesterday. Thank you, Richard, by the way, for helping me out so much this weekend. And uh, he had to take me almost two hours to go get. I had a custom-made barn door made. Y'all know what that is? That, that, yeah, I didn't want a regular door in my office. I wanted a barn door. But, see, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little cheap. <laughs> I wasn't going to pay no $900 for a door. That's what they wanted, right? And I'm like, you must be out of your bunny rabbit mind. I'm sorry. You must be crazy. <laughs> so we found a place in the country. Bless God, I was with Richard. And uh, he did it for me for $250, but it's custom, right? So we, he, Richard drove me all the way down there and drove me back. See, you, you got to know that you with the right people when you go places. Because yeah. we went to the wrong place. And it was a little shady. <laughs> and I said, Richard, I think his shop is behind the house because that's what he told me. And Richard, he went up a little bit, and he said, no. He started backing up. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no, I don't think this is the right place. You got to know when you with the right folks that's going to take care of you because that wasn't the right place. So we, we, you know, way out in the cut, two black men in a black truck. That wasn't a pretty picture. Amen. So we got on up out of there in a hurry. Praise the Lord. Amen. So thank you, Richard, for being with a brother and helping a brother out. I wouldn't mind not being here preaching today. <laughs> Praise God. So just, just know when you take people with you, that's great. So listen, um, <laughs> pride of life is what we were talking about, right? So when you have pride, it will block your, your blessings because you become ungrateful for what you got. That's why people commit affairs. You're not grateful for what you got, so you got to go get something else. Amen? But listen, they say, well, the grass is green on the other side. And this is what I say. If you water your own grass, it'll be just as green. That's why my grass is green. <laughs> all right, let me go on in there. Since we all grown, I always say that the worth of a man can be found in the countenance of his wife's face. If you ain't doing right, all you got to do is look at that woman's face. <laughs> they will tell all your business, woman, bro. That's why when I marry people, I like for them to be a part of this church so I can watch them when they come through the door. And I know, bro, you ain't doing something right. Her face is all messed up. Yeah, bro. Yeah. You too. And you too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she'll be calling me, bro. She'll be calling me. Yeah, yeah, she'll be, yeah. Right, bro? Yeah, yeah. he get told on a lot. So, uh, yeah. So, but if you prideful, you won't seek help. 
You just let your marriage just stay broke, right? I don't need no help. Ain't nothing wrong with us. Well, therein lies the problem. (laughs) 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 I'm moving on. I'm not saying anything else. Okay, look at this one. A complaining attitude. A complaining attitude. People who complain all the time are never satisfied, even when they have prayed about something and it is granted. A month later, here they come complaining about wanting something else. Just complain, 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 complain. And listen, Philippians 4, 12 says, uh, when we just read this this morning, uh, when we started, he says, I know how to be in need and I know how to have plenty, but I'm content. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, if I don't have much, I'm not going to complain about it. And then when I do have much, I ain't going to complain about that. He says, I have an attitude of gratitude that I'm thankful that I got God on my side, that he is always sufficient for me. Paul prayed because God gave him a messenger from Satan. Y'all remember this passage? Because he had experienced something that no man had ever experienced before. And God wanted Paul to remain humble. So the Bible says that he received a messenger from Satan. And I don't know what it was. The Bible never says what it was. All I know is Paul prayed three times for God to remove whatever that thorn in the flesh was. I know a lot of people are speculating about what it was. But if the Bible doesn't specifically say, then we can't determine what it was. And all I know is he prayed prayed about that thing three times, but, but he said, I prayed, and God never answered him. Paul said, God, if you could just take this away from me, God never responded to Paul's request. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's all you need to focus on, Paul. So in other words, saints of God, you might have a thorn in your flesh or a thorn from your family, a thorn from your job. God's grace is more powerful than that thorn. You just stay humble, right? Amen. All right. I hope I help somebody. I hope. I hope. Hey, you know, listen. Listen, people who complain, they always start something, but they never finish. They start books that they don't complete. They start goals that they never complete. They get in relationships that never work out. They join churches and then they leave. Getting getting, getting hot. Yeah, they all stressed up with nowhere to go. Y'all catch that? They all stressed up. <laughs> Man, y'all are like, you're tired. That was pretty funny when I wrote it last night. But of course, because <laughs> I, <was, laughs> I was drooling by that time. <laughs> oh, God, I got to study. Number three, y'all ready? Having a careless attitude. Man, there's nothing worse than to be careless about stuff, man. Listen, let me paraphrase this. In Luke chapter 17, y'all remember there were 10 lepers. Somebody say 10. There were 10 lepers, and they came to the Lord because they had leprosy. That's why they were called lepers. And so when they had, y'all know what leprosy is, right? Leprosy, back in the day, is a skin disease. Uh, uh, it'll start off small. It might be a little pimple on the eye or, or a bump on the arm or something like that, and it would just begin to spread, and it would grow. And if it was unchecked, it would get so bad to where uh, fingers would fall off, nose would fall off, ear would fall off. And they were very repulsive. They were, they, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, it was, yeah, y'all know what I'm saying? It was a stench, right? Um, he stinketh. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you would be a stinketh. <laughs> so that's the Hebrew for you, you're a little rank. So, and, and, and actually in the Old Testament, 
it said that you had to walk around with your hand over your mouth and scream to the top of your lungs, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. In the city, everybody, because why? You didn't want to get around them because it was contagious. So I'm wondering, saints of God, how many people spiritually are unclean? When you think you look good, but everybody else hears, I'm unclean. I digress. Ten lepers, they wanted to be healed. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't say be healed. Listen to the words here. He said, go. So in other words, the healing didn't take place until obedience kicked in. They could have stayed there and said, Jesus, you're not going to lay your hand on me? Wait a minute, can't you just say it? Give me a word, something. He, he said, I gave you a word. I told you to go. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went. So in, in the obedience, they got healed. Hello, hello, y'all with me here. So they kept going to the priest. One of them said, uh-uh. He turned around, ran back to Jesus, fell at his feet, and began to worship him. Why? He said, man, ain't no way I'm going to go to the priest now when you did this for me. I got to come back and be grateful. Come on, somebody. Because I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life, there is absolutely no way I'm going to go to the priest now until I give you some glory. So when he came, Jesus looked at him and said, be made whole. So not only did he get healed, he got whole. Come on, somebody. God just doesn't want to heal you. He wants to make you whole. Why settle just for the healing when you need money? He said, be made whole. Then he looked and he said, were there not ten of you? He said, where's the other nine? Ungrateful jokers. That's, what I, that's my Bible. Your Bible don't say that. <laughs> but to me, they were ungrateful. You know what they wanted? All they wanted was a healing, and that's it. That's it. All they wanted was something from Jesus, but they didn't want to give. See? See? And I'm afraid that the modern church has, has turned, has flipped into, I want to come and get what I can from Jesus, and long as I can get what I want from him, then I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to read the word. Don't worry about it, Pastor. You ain't going to see me for a while. And then all of a sudden, when that enemy starts biting on you again, here you come in the church. <gasps> Pastor, I need some help. So what are you going to do when I say, look, you better take your habit behind that altar and lay out. Y'all know I'm there now, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, look, lay out before the Lord. See what the Lord says. Amen? Somebody said mature church. The mature church says, yeah, yeah, you jacked up. You, where did you go get the blessing the first time? Then you go right back where you got the first one. See, God can't bless you past your last area of disobedience. So you might have to go back and obey him in the last thing you disobeyed him in so that you can. All right. Listen, that, that's just been my life. 
and I, I, I had to go back. Let me give you this, 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 this number four so you can get out of here. A negative attitude. You know people that are negative are draining. Y'all know what I'm saying? Man, I've had people in my life that are not in my life anymore. But I've <laughs> I'm just being honest because I had to get rid of them because that, that, that's just draining. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, oh, my God. It doesn't matter what you say, how good things are. You can say, listen, I just got promoted on my job. Yeah, you're probably going to lose it. Huh? I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm just telling you, you know what? I want to start a business. You don't know what you're doing. I'm, I'm just saying I'm going to. You know what? We're going we're gonna to have an event that's really going to bless a lot of people. Ain't nobody going to show up. They just cut you off. And it's like, can you just, can, do you have one positive thing to say? Okay, all right. So let me just say this. That now, you guys have to be honest with me. I'm going to be honest with you. So you need to be honest with me. But I'm going to ask you the question first. <laughs> okay. Most people have their phone numbers and names saved on the phone. So when the phone rings, <laughs> y'all stop going ahead of me. Let me get it out. You're going ahead of me. So, so when, okay, this, this technology today, so when the phone rings, it's not just a number, it's a name. If you have it in your contact. Right? So now, I know, and you got to be honest now, we're in church. Sometimes when you see that name, you go, <laughs> right? And you might even attempt to answer, and your fingers slide over to that decline. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I wanted to answer and be a blessing, but I hit the wrong button. Lord, bless him. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Bless him. Bless him. Okay. Have you, have you guys ever done that? Okay. Okay. Let me, let me, <laughs> let, can I, I'm a, let me give you a secret. I've done it too. I, I wouldn't do it with you, but I've done <laughs> See, I had <laughs> Not unless I got your name on the crazy church folk, but. <laughs> and since none of you guys are under that name, I'm going to answer the, the phone from you. But there are other people who call me that are not a part of this church, don't want to be a part of it, haven't joined, nothing. But you know what? I make a decision if I want to give them my time. Because perhaps you need to get a hold of me. And if you need to get a hold of me, I don't care who outside this church want to talk to me. I'm done. No, bro, I got to go. And you don't ask me why, because that's my business. Amen? Amen. When I got somebody from the church calling, hey, look, this conversation over, I got to go, bro. Bye. Boom. I got to see what's going on with you. Why? Because you, you are the sheep of Covenant Community Church. And if you haven't joined, you're not my sheep. Amen. Right back. <laughs> that's how you. <laughs> I know you were saying amen, but I think I heard it back. <laughs> Oh no, I'm just, I'm I'm tired. So <laughs> Don't y'all be doing that cuz you make a brother 
think I'm tripping and I took my medicine this morning. Okay, listen, listen, bear. Listen very closely. Ten effects of a negative attitude. I'm going to say this real quickly. Uh, a less worthwhile quality of life, less confidence, lower self-esteem, less happiness and enjoyment, less energy. It takes a lot of energy to be negative. And it'll sap the energy out of you. Right? Have you ever gotten off a phone call with somebody, and as soon as you hung up, you went, whew, man, that was heavy. My God, you, you got off the phone. You said, Jesus, help me. I'm standing in the need of a miracle right now. <laughs> you didn't even pray for them. You said, Lord, I need you. <laughs> okay. I get delirious when I'm tired. So less peace, less success, because you're always blocking your blessing with your mouth. Less enjoyable social interaction, because don't nobody want to be around no negative person. The, the relationships fail. Less health benefits, because when you're always negative, you're always sick. One of the things that my doctor says when I was getting radiation, and there, there was something that he saw differently with me than a lot of other men that went through, because when I came in there, man, I came in there laughing, joking with folks. In the doctor's office, I'm going to get my radiation. I'm sitting out there with guys. I'm laughing. I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing on them. I'm talking bad about them. And by the time I leave, everybody's laughing. Hey, we'll see you later, Brother John. All right, bro, I'll catch you next week for some more radiation. <laughs> 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 That's what we got. We got radiated, amen? I said, listen, you make sure you stay away from light bulbs. So, <laughs> and they laugh, you know. And so he said, man, listen, he said, because of your disposition, he said, when you come in, you always have more energy than all of the other guys that come in here. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, when I get radiation, I go to the gym. He said, you do what? I said, I go to the gym. I go work out. I said, that's why I, I still have energy. Not as much, but I still have energy because I, don't, I didn't let that stuff take me down. And if I had a, had a negative attitude, I would have been dragging. See, I had to get in my car and drive back to Charlotte. I had to move, so those of you who don't know, I had to move to Atlanta, away from my family for seven weeks, because I had to get radiation every day. Every day. Every Friday after I got radiation at nine o'clock, I got in my car, drove to Charlotte, preached every Sunday, and drove back to Atlanta on Monday. Why? Because I wanted to show you, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. Look at what God is gonna do through the kingdom. Amen. See, I wanted to show you, this is how you go through. Yeah, I had times when I broke down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had times when I broke down. But, man, let me tell you something. In those times was when I began to worship. Because it's in those times when you know you can't fix it. And I had a positive attitude about God. And I said, God, even if I die, I know I'm going to see you. For God, I live. And for God, I'll die. Boy, that changed my whole perspective on God. Amen? All right. So last one, last one, last one. You learn anything? Okay. This is the last one. I'm sorry for a callous attitude. Oh, boy. People with a callous attitude, <laughs> somebody say what? Corn. 
Oh. Did I misspell it? Oh. Oh, I <laughs> can't. Y'all tripping. See, you're taking advantage of me. That ain't right. You talk, you're talking about a corn. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm sorry. Church is supposed to be a place you go and you feel really spiritual. I know you're not feeling that today. I'm sorry, guys. I know you're not feeling too spiritual today, but that was funny. I'm just not laughing, but that thing right there was funny. So, Callous attitude. Okay, let me get it. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. You guys remember that story? I, I got a paraphrase to get you out of here so you can go eat. So the Good Samaritan, um, he did something that other people wouldn't do. So the priest passed by. The priest, the priest, man of God, who say that he's going to help people. He saw a man that needed help, and he went around. The guy didn't help him. And then who else passed by? No, the second guy. The Levite, right? So that joker passed by on the other side. And wouldn't help the guy, but the good Samaritan cared for the guy, and he put the man on his jackass and took him to the end. Amen? So a callous person would never get off of his jackass to help anybody. I did put Jack in there. If I was really tired, I would have left that Jack out of there. <laughs> and y'all would have been mad at me. Y'all be like, I can't believe the pastor's cussing in the pulpit. How sacrilegious is that? I said, I put Jack in there. Y'all heard it, right? All right, y'all good? All right, man, don't get mad at me now. I'm not trying to cuss in the pulpit. I ain't doing that, right? We, we should have compassion. <laughs> I'm done. Let's just pray. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pam. Where's Pam? I'm done. I can't. Y'all just messed me up with that corn, man. I ain't lying. <laughs> Who said that, by the way? <laughs> Are you trying to be prophetic or something? You just. In the Caribbean. It's a Caribbean thing. Something that's callous, we call it a corn. Oh, you. Oh! <laughs> uh, uh, Right. <laughs> so, so the woman of God is saying, "Don't be a bunion." <laughs> that pretty. Don't have a bunion attitude. That's nasty. I'm just saying that's nasty. That's nasty. That's a nasty attitude, right? Don't do that, guys. I gave you five of them. I'm sorry. That's all I had. Please play something, Pam. Get me out of this. <laughs> Pride, complaining, careless, negative, and callous. Those are five attitudes of ungratefulness, guys. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 
West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7360. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.